Hey, this is uh, Dennis from the Functioning Drunks Podcast, and you're listening to The Concession Stand. Do I get my free hot dogs now? You're listening to The Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games. Don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the concession stand. This is episode number 36. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me as always, well, I he's he's not here. I, I don't know where he is. Where in the world is Andy San Diego? I am somewhere in Europe. That's all I can say. I'm working on some television show, and that's it. Uh, I'll be in Europe for another month. We have been <laughs> efforting to get us back together over the uh, over the airwaves and get back to you guys. We got a lot to talk about, but first I want to talk about Episode number 36. The first thing that came to mind was Jerome Bettis, the bus. Remember him from the yes. Steelers? But then I looked up another 36 who I think deserves a mention. Uh, I will say that my favorite 36 was the old spitball pitcher, Gaylord Perry. That oh. guy scare people with his uh, his ridiculous spitballs and the way he could throw pitches that just would, would dive away from people. And everybody hated him. And he created a legend all of his own. So we must give that guy a Stone Cold salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Uh, yes, 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 uh, indeed. Well, the last time I saw you was uh, at the Chinese Theater some almost three weeks ago now. Uh, yes. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And yes, that might be old news to people watching or listening this week, but uh, we should at least talk about our, our, our opinions of it, right? I, I thought it was absolutely great. I cannot rave about it enough. This is a must-see film of the year, if not the last few years, and I, I really think this could turn out to be my favorite film of 2017. Okay, I'm surprised with that. And this isn't to say that I didn't like it. I actually loved it as well. I thought it wasn't as good as the first one. Uh, the first one, just it, it, was, it was just a good, it brought everybody together. This one was way funnier and way bigger as far as the effects go. You could see every single dollar on the screen, and it was a great time. And it's all these characters that we knew. I felt like it was a little too long, um, and, uh, and, and I wish there was just a, a little bit more of a, of a story where there was like a bad guy that they really were after. I mean, I'm not really going to spoil anything, but uh, the story with his dad, it, it wore on a little too long for me, and, and it was easy to figure out. But uh, I absolutely loved it. The experience seeing it there was great with you, with my family, with my daughter, her first time at the Chinese theater. What an amazing movie theater that is. Yep. Um, I can't complain about it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be my favorite movie of the year. I'm going to reserve that for Last Jedi. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. But uh, I'm glad we went and saw it. And uh, if you haven't seen it in a movie theater, it is a must-see. It's a must-see in 3D. I mean, I, that was huge to see in 3D. Oh, absolutely. The 3D IMAX thing was was absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I can't rave about that enough. The colors that popped out of the screen uh, from that movie was just some of the best visual effects work and, and colors color work I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, hey, Andy, guess what? We got a couple of new reviews on the iTunes store, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to these guys real quick. Uh, Tropic, All right, cool. Tropic Cyclone chimed in. Great, knowledgeable hosts who really bounce off each other well. That, well, that kind of happens after doing 30-plus episodes, I would say. We, we You tend yeah. to form a natural bond. Thanks a lot, Tropic Cyclone. Uh, also, DVS2. I think it's DVSII. It might be 2. I don't know. Uh, Nick and Andy have great chemistry and play off each other well. Not only are they passionate about movies and games, they are entertaining as hell to listen to. Are we? 
I I think so. Even Uh, if we are nine hours apart, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Highly recommend and one podcast I listen to every week. Hey, thanks, DVS. That's really awesome stuff, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's awesome. Off the high of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I'm going to bring things back down to Earth a little bit. Uh, Okay. I finished Iron Fist on Netflix, finally. Nah. Okay. No. Uh, more right. on that once Defenders comes out and we can talk see where that goes. Uh, there's a new ki- a series on Netflix kind of in the same vein as Making a Murderer, and there's this whole true crime movement that's going on in podcasting right now, uh, this show called The Keepers. And it's another one of these investigative docu-series type of things where you know it's a murder mystery and you get invested in these characters, but the funny thing is it just doesn't deliver. You don't find out who killed this woman that they set this whole series up around. You don't find out anything new other than it was a whole side story of the Catholic church being pedophiles again. And it had had nothing to do with the real murder mystery. I don't know. I was really disappointed that it didn't deliver. Other than that, I I finished all of the Bill Nye series. Uh, Again, Ah. great, great job uh, putting all of that together. The set looked fantastic. It was really well directed. I I didn't do do that, but yeah, okay. Oh, I I thought you were Mr. Stage Manager. That was right. Oh, wow. Yeah. We just moved people in and out of that stage. But yeah, that was designed by a completely different team. But awesome that you think that. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. Um, What I will say is I'll echo my previous sentiments of uh, the first few episodes, and it, it feels intentionally chopped down. There is at least an hour per episode worth of content in there. You can feel it it feels like it's been chopped down so that would be my only feedback to the group was you're on netflix there, there's no limits make it make us an hour show um if you've got the stuff there already because we can feel that you've chopped stuff out uh they definitely did um and yeah i'm hoping to hear that we could do more of those we'll see how it does um, shows are getting canceled left and right and hopefully that's not one of them yeah it definitely feels like one of those that would come back um there's there's plenty more to say and plenty more to do but that would be the one big critical piece of feedback is give us an hour show it's in there yeah. um the other thing uh movie wise i watched uh the new triple x movie return of xander cage and I, I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised by how fun this was. That's not All to right. take anything away from the other Triple X movies, but in a weird, twisted reality kind of way, this is what I feel like a, a, a new Bond should feel like. It was wow. it was a lot of fun. There were stunts, crazy stunts, lots of guns, hot chicks, all of that stuff. It takes me back to the Pierce Brosnan fun Bond type of setup where we had all that crazy stuff going on and if i could say anything to barbara broccoli bring that kind of feeling back that's what i i felt myself pining for that in a bond format uh the way that they put that together you know we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that we lost one of the best bonds this week uh in roger moore um wow yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, he was my bond. Uh, he, he was the one that was, you know, on the screen when I was when I was growing up. Yes, I knew about Sean Connery, but you know, I grew up with with Roger Moore, and he certainly played it like in a, in a really funny sort of pithy way. Um, all accounts are, are, have just said what an amazing guy he was uh, outside of just being Bond and uh, his his contributions to UNICEF. Um, it's it's tough when you lose somebody like that, and us being both big Bond fans, I mean, it was a tough it was a tough pill to swallow this week. But uh, I did watch uh, the Spy Who Loved Me uh, a couple nights ago, just to kind of remember uh, his work as Bond, and that's just a lot of fun. So if you get a chance to uh, to uh, to go watch a couple of Roger Moore Bond movies, you won't be disappointed. Do not go through life without seeing Moonraker. It is probably <laughs> my favorite, most ridiculous Roger Moore Bond movie uh, of all of them. Yeah. 
Remember when we used to talk about wrestling on uh, the concession yeah. stand and when we pulled it away because we had some feedback? Remember wrestling on our show, remember? Remember about six months ago we talked about wrestling <laughs> and I would do the crazy Ace Ventura recaps and all that yeah. stuff? Well, we made the decision to break that out into its own standalone show a few months ago and finally got the hosts together and all of the format and everything put together and we launched that last Friday with three uh, hot new episodes leading into the Backlash pay-per-view that happened last Sunday. And uh, it's going gangbusters so far. We're getting uh, rave reviews already. Uh, lots of people talking about it and getting the word out there. The show is called Busted Wide. He's busted wide open. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's you and and, and uh, Sir Ian Dangerous, a friend of ours that we've known from for a couple of years. And I listened to the first two over here and absolutely loved it. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, you definitely know what you're talking about. And uh, you're even bringing up things that I don't even know. So it's been a lot of fun to listen to it and, and being over here, not getting access to the stuff. It's great to be able to catch up with what's going on and Ron SmackDown, all that stuff. So well done. I can't wait to hear the next one. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. But you know, it's probably time to bust this show wide open with some TV and movies. All right. So I have a, uh, a confession to make Andy. All right. What do you got? Uh, I have allowed reviews from people that I trust to prevent me from going to see the new Alien movie. I was wondering about this because I figured, you know, we'd, we'd sort of talked a couple times since it had released uh, over text or whatever, and I figured I hadn't heard you say anything about it, so I was getting kind of nervous. Uh, what do you got? I'm not going to name names of the, the magazines or the, the, not the magazines, but the editors or the people that, uh, that have influenced my decision to wait, uh, but one of them was Alien Covenant makes Prometheus look like the thing uh that's horrifying uh in in a not so you know in a very punny way but i'm hearing that there's very little zenos there's it's it's danny mcbride and james franco you know goofing off it it's it's just not good and when i hear that from three sources that i really trust when it comes to movies and reviews that uh, so even though we did an episode weeks and weeks back called believe the hype where yep. we um, were talking about don't listen to the reviews and don't I have it's funny how I've come full circle on that and I've allowed myself to of all franchises aliens is my star is, is my star to your star wars right yeah yeah it's shocking to me I mean I get it um I mean when when you have a somebody that's really close to you tell you that uh some stuff about it that you know it's okay perfect thing happened to me and you with suicide squad right yep. you saw it don't even bother and I was like all right and I waited and I waited and I waited and I didn't go see a DC movie granted that's not up there on the level of things I love like star wars or aliens for you right but I mean this is kind of a big deal I'm shocked that you haven't gone to see this thing yet and um I mean you were sick a little bit too right so that probably didn't help that's but fair. I don't know uh it makes me worry about it too, but I mean, over here, I'm not going to get a chance to see it probably. And, and if it's as bad as you're saying it is, and the critics are saying as bad as it, it'll be gone when I'm back in the states. And it, be, it it's this interesting internal dialogue that happens where God, I really want to see it. I don't care if they're saying it's bad; I still want to see it. But if it's that bad, is it worth spending upwards of twenty dollars to go see? If in three months, like we talked about last episode, are we going to be able to pay five bucks and be able to see it on a on yeah. an iTunes rental or something like that? So that's it's this weird, you know, almost schizophrenic internal dialogue that that happens over, over over these kinds of things, and it really just plays into exactly what we've been talking about over the last few shows. 
Yeah, it's like, okay, like Pirates is coming out this weekend and Baywatch. Like, I don't care to see either of those in the theater. Pirates is getting bad reviews, I guess. But, you know, that's not influencing my decision. I already decided before that ever came out that I wasn't going to go see it in the theater. Unless my wife says she wants to go and we'll go at some point whenever I get home. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think Alien Covenant, uh, to me, I, I if, if I was in the States, I would have gone and seen it by now despite the reviews. Just because I, I would go to like an early, you know, $6 show at that theater by me, you know, and right. just be like, all right, it's either good or bad. And I saw it, and that's what it is. But that's your choice, and I and I think it's I think it's it's really says something, and it, and it's kind of interesting to me that we're talking about all this stuff like uh, over the last couple of weeks about well, don't believe the hype, and don't believe the reviews, and there's what's actually happening, and now we're, we're, we've only we've seen it, we've 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 now experienced it, and now it's it's come full circle to where it's really actually happening to us too. Yeah, it feels hypocritical in a way, but at the same time, I I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. I just thought I would share that story with with you guys and the listeners of how something like that has affected me. I mean, you guys probably don't know this, but I literally have the Queen Alien and Ripley in the cargo loader, that face-off where she's got the Queen in the grips of the of the loader, tattooed in a half sleeve on my left arm. That's how much into aliens I am. And or it's, into tattoos. What's that? <laughs> or into tattoos. Or into, or into tattoos. <laughs> fair. But <laughs> But the point remains that I love aliens enough to tattoo it on my body. Half of one of my arms yeah. is covered in a giant aliens mural. So the the idea that I wouldn't go see this is is that's part of the internal dialogue. Like, how is this even possible? Speaking of things we never thought would be possible, uh, Amazon Prime Video is actually now coming to Apple TV. Remember how they were always like battling, and it's like you can't do iTunes on Amazon stuff, and Apple's like you can't do Amazon stuff on our Apple TV, even though you could get it on the iPad or the iPhone. Uh, Prime Video is going to be coming to the Apple TV this summer. That's huge, right? I this, mean, this is huge. This is absolutely huge, or uh, huge with a Y. <laughs> um, this this combines with another thing to make a really fantastic set of announcements. So not only are we going to not need the Amazon Stick to watch Amazon content, we can just load the app on our uh, Apple TV now. On the flip side of that, Amazon is also coming out with what they're branding as the Fire. TV, like it's an actual TV. I think they're calling it the Elements TV, if I if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, but they're coming out with like a 40 inch, a 55 inch, and a 65 inch version of this television that has the Fire TV uh, like interface built in, almost like a smart TV setup built into the TV, and it's native. throughout the experience so if you guys haven't seen this trailer uh go check out the amazon elements fire tv on uh, amazon.com i will say this my poor 65 inch plasma that i've had for better part of a decade at this point um is is finally on its last legs i am i am chomping at the bit to grab one of these 65 inch because not only does it have that built in it's also 4k it's also u8 ultra hd it's also, I believe, maybe got 3D. I'm not 100% sure on that. But for about 1000 bucks, you're going to get a 65-inch yeah, 4K Ultra HD TV with four additional HDMIs that you can still plug your Apple TV into if you want to uh, and all your other game console. I'm in. So Yeah, and it's... That's a great price for something like that, and and from from all the things that I saw, like the, the specs on the TV are, are pretty solid as well. So... Um, it's funny that this happened because remember there was all this talk for a long time about Apple it was going to come out with their TV. And I don't want to get too much into tech, which we don't really do anymore. But it, this is another situation where Amazon has potentially beaten Apple to the market with something like this, like they did with the, uh, with the Echo. Uh, Apple had such an opportunity to do this uh, five, six years ago. 
And I don't know if the technology was caught up enough to be able to do Apple TV level stuff natively on the TV. Um, I think they could have figured it out, but I, that's a very valid point. Uh, Amazon has yet again beat Apple to the punch. And um, what does that say for the future? I don't know. It's to be determined. But ultimately, I this TV looks like the quintessential perfect cord cutter platform for anybody that's wanting to ditch cable because not only does it come with the TV and the Fire TV interface, there is also a bundle that includes a sound bar if you wanted to do that and an over-the-air antenna uh, for an additional 20 bucks. So there's all these packages that you can put together now. This is the perfect cord cutter platform, absolutely. You know, one of the things that's really suffered from the cord cutting is the uh, is the ESPN thing. Uh, a lot of people uh, don't really watch ESPN anymore now that it's not required to have if you're one of the cord cutters. Um, what we found some interesting news about ESPN, which we thought was just in all kinds of trouble yeah. with them cutting back on all their uh, their their on air talent. Um, I guess what was it? Disney said something in an earnings report about them. Yeah, as much as we've talked about Disney over the last few months and their big earnings, $7 billion last year, what we didn't really understand was the dynamic of all of the different little sub-companies, sub-channels, and all that stuff. And off the back of that, we heard that ESPN was had lost 10 million subscribers over the last five years. But here's the thing. it's ESPN and all of its little networks still account for $9 billion of revenue for Disney. Now, let me, let me put that in perspective. The total revenue earned from movies, the theme parks, and all of their merchandising that they do is around $7 billion combined. ESPN wow. and its affiliates are $9 billion even after losing 10 million subscribers. Wow. So the point I'm trying to make that a reason I wanted to bring this up is that look ESPN is still the cash cow uh, for yeah. all of this and that's ultimately they have to figure out what they're going to do with this network and how they're going to uh, abide to you know a different era that we're in now where it's all cord cutting and apps and mobile devices I, I think they've got a really big charter in front of them to uh, to get this figured out before the the downfall of the subscribers continues. I don't even know that they sell the Watch ESPN separately. I still still think you have to get it through a, a a cable subscription. So there's an idea. Why not do Watch ESPN for 15 bucks a month or something like that? You know, there's another network that's going to be wondering what to do and that's HBO after these last two seasons of Game of Thrones are over. That's going to change their sort of they need another <laughs> yes. cash cow of their own, right? So uh, we did get a new trailer a couple of days ago. Amazing! Uh, yes. we, we've, we've seen uh, they're going to do a couple of different spinoffs, perhaps, of Game of Thrones. Maybe prequels. Maybe we find out about uh, the rise of the Targaryens or Robert Baratheon, something like that. Uh, they've set some record. What? Oh, oh, it was on the on the set. I think they set like uh, I guess when they were shooting um, uh, Dragon Breathing Fire, they did a shot where they actually set nineteen or twenty or some sort of number of people on fire in order to make that happen, which has never been done. The number of some men actually set on fire on purpose, by the way, not by accident um, uh, in a, in a, in a movie or a TV show ever. So they set a record like that. And when you hear something like that, and that actually happening, it's like, okay, that's like the battle of the stuntmen <laughs> instead of the battle of the bastards. Um, yeah. I'm excited about this. I, you know, it, it's, it's coming quicker than we think it's a little over a month away and we're just going to get to see more stuff as the, as the weeks go by. And it's just going to be, it's going to be back to that thing where we have to wait a week, for you know each episode, which we're just we're not accustomed to that anymore. With with Netflix, here's all of them, and here's all the episodes of this. You know what I mean? The the whole like waiting a week thing for this is, is going to be terrorizing. And it's only what uh, six episodes, seven episodes. 
instead of 10. So, I mean, it's just going to be brutal to to have to to wait for that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they learn along the way and just release them all. Who knows? Hey, you mentioned a couple of additional um, uh, side projects that were going on. We can't not bring these up. George R.R. Martin is working on a couple of side things. One of them is with Sci-Fi, the Sci-Fi Network. Uh, and okay. it's on his series uh, called Night Flyers. So a lot of you will know about George R. R. Martin's work on writing Game of Thrones. What you might not know is he's got some other stuff as well. He's an old dude. He's he's been writing for a long time. Uh, there's a series called Night Flyers. Uh, the premise of this is that um, you know, on the eve of the destruction of Earth, uh, this crack team of astronauts go out and you know confront this alien ship. That may hold the keys to Earth's survival, and you know it's almost that standoff thing. Are they are they good aliens or bad aliens? That sort of whole premise. I'm in. That sounds pretty cool. You, yeah, you, that sounds great. I don't, I don't even want to know anything else. Just just make it because I just I, that sounds perfect, and I want to see it. Hey, there's another thing that he's doing also called Wild Cards, and I never actually knew hey, about. Hey, wait a minute. Do, wait, do you hear, I, do you hear that? I, I can actually hear that on the other side of the globe. Do you hear that in the distance? All aboard! Star Wars Hype Train's leaving station, all aboard! Oh, man. Yeah, it, it makes sense that it's here, right? Welcome to the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, Andy. We're officially old. Yeah, happy birthday, Star Wars. You're as old as me now. <laughs> hey, we got some new Vanity Fair covers uh, that are coming out for a special oh, series. And so they look awesome. awesome. They had the old uh, Luke Skywalker and Leia, uh, and they, they just basically recreated these poses. And yeah. it looks like they shot this a long time ago because they've got some amazing set photos of of uh, Carrie Fisher in her General Organa uh, outfits. Yep, we see Ray running with a lightsaber. We see uh, there's that sh- uh, picture of her and Luke, like uh, on it looks like the island or whatever. Um, yep. There's some cool stuff with with Kylo Ren. Um, it's it was really cool to just see some more images, and that's definitely the Star Wars hype train. We see some of the costumes. We see. Uh, um, uh, Captain Phasma without her, uh, her helmet on, and I guess we're actually going to see that in the movie, which is kind of a strange sort of thing. Like we've never seen a stormtrooper without their helmet on, unless it was you know Han or Luke or or Finn, right? I mean, yeah. we've never seen a stormtrooper. And the fact that this wouldn't be a clone trooper, you know, I, I don't know. So the, the fact that there's going to be a stormtrooper with maybe a character attached as well is really exciting to me. But I mean, there's so many things and so many um, things we can speculate about from seeing all this stuff. But at the end of the day. Happy birthday, Star Wars. We get to see all this stuff, and that's really, really cool. Hey, did you hear Kylo Ren was this crazy method actor? I did. I did. I read this article. <laughs> Go ahead and tell the story. <laughs> okay. Mark Hamill approached him, proactively came up to him, and said, Hey, uh, you're kind of my nephew, and I, you want to go get lunch? He's like, no. Yeah, this is during the filming, so he's trying to get to know his fellow actor, I guess, right? Okay, so... The, the method thing is uh, whatever. I get it. You know, you have to be in the method, and he's got to walk around and be mad all the time in order to play Kylo Ren. You know, Mark Hamill basically came out and said, "Yeah, that's what he wants to do. That's fine." You know, but let's let's think about this for a second. If you were given a chance to have lunch or something with Mark Hamill, right? Couldn't you put your your little method thing aside for like a couple hours and sit down with the guy? And and, and I bet it would actually be a fun conversation, and you might learn a thing or two from the guy. You know what I mean? And how many people get that opportunity? And to and to sort of turn him down like that, that seemed just really pompous and pretentious. But yep. uh, I can't speak for him. He is a good actor, but uh, I don't know. Hearing that kind of makes me a little. I'm kind of pissed off about it. Yeah, well, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm jealous. I fuck yeah, I want to go hang out with Mark Hamill for, and have lunch and be on the set and around all these cool people. You're in a Star Wars movie, dude. 
Yeah, take a take a step back and have some fun with it. Oh, I just the funny thing was in the same article though they talked about that John Boyega like I guess when 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 uh, driver gets into these sort of modes I guess Boyega just runs up to him and hugs him like and just holds him and he just he can sense that like driver's just like okay get this over with like he's just trying to mess with him and I love that. Another <laughs> thing about Kylo Ren apparently Kylo was the fastest rising boy's name in America for new baby boys in 2016. That's shocking to me. What? Like, I get it, but I mean, that, that's a that's a stat that came out and people said it. I'm shocked by that. Did, well, I mean, did in 1978 did people start naming their kids Darth? I, no, I but there were. I, I know there were a bunch of Lukes that came out of that. Oh, I mean, we have true. a friend. We have, we have a friend Luke that was probably had something to do with that, or maybe he was named after the Gospel Luke or whatever it was. But. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. So who knows? Maybe we'll start having to be like, hey, Kylo, put that, you know, put that down, Kylo. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, speaking of which, the funniest thing that came out of 2016 for me related to that was the emo Kylo Ren Twitter account. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, if you, seen if it, you guys yeah. have not seen that, be sure and go look up on Twitter, emo Kylo Ren, because it's absolutely sure. fantastic. Uh, some more news. Uh, we got some more inside behind the scenes photos of the Han Solo movie. What did you hear about this? Uh, I just saw a couple of shots on TMZ of like a behind the scenes kind of thing. We saw him in what looked like a land speeder. We saw him with uh, uh, like coming out of a door. You know, it's like you know those, those shots that were on somebody's phone from really far away. We know it's in production. We know that the we know that they're going back to Tatooine allegedly. We know we're going to find out how he uh, acquires the Falcon. And, you know, we just got a few behind-the-scenes photos. So it's the typical thing that happens when these movies get made. We get excited about it for a day or two, and we talk about it on our show. I, You know, I'm excited about a Han Solo movie. There you go. Are, are we going to see this legendary card game with young Lando where he won the Falcon in a card game? Maybe. The game was called Sabacc, I believe. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of sci-fi stuff to get excited about, especially uh, this new uh, trailer for the Seth MacFarlane show that I saw for Fox with, with Orville or whatever it's called. It looks awesome. Th- this reminded me so much of the, the fun, campy sci-fi stuff that's kind of been missing uh, for the last 20 years. I am very, very excited to see this. What platform is this coming to? Is it Netflix? Um, it's. I think it's a comedy. I think it's going to be on Fox and maybe Netflix too. Or I'm not really sure, but I think it's definitely Fox. Don't want to get a retraction, but uh, it's got the uh, it's got the Seth, Seth MacFarlane, you know, just sort of like that style of humor from Family Guy, and it just looks fun. And and we haven't had a fun sci-fi show like you said for quite a while. And I don't even know if we had a fun sci-fi show. We've certainly had. Uh, a fun sci-fi movie or two, but yeah, yeah, like Gal- it's in the vein is of Galaxy Quest or something like that is what I what I remember for sure. Um, one more thing, uh, as far as other things to get excited about, this is all trailers, but here we go. Uh, the Dunkirk trailer came out a couple weeks ago. We haven't had a chance to actually talk about it on this show. I remember that when we first saw this, we were both kind of like, eh, you know. But when I see this one, uh, I get really excited about it. I've always been a Chris Nolan fan. I'm excited to see what he does in this sort of style of movie. Um, and, and the story itself looks uh, pretty amazing. And of course it's based on a true story. So when I saw this, this Dunkirk trailer, I completely flipped my, my sort of opinion of it. And I'm actually really, really excited about it. And of course it comes out July 21st. What did you think? Uh, I think the production quality looks incredible. The, the sets look amazing. The costumes, I mean, all top notch. We're talking about going back to world war two here. We haven't really done this properly since saving private Ryan. If I if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. Um, so it's it's been a good twenty years. My concern with this film is that not enough people outside of the historic scholar community understand the story of Dunkirk and the 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 tragedy of it and why what happened there. And I, I'm I'm not going to go into history mode here, but it you know 
I would say look into the history of the story of Dunkirk before going to see this movie in what two months, almost two months when it comes out. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where you need to understand the story before you go into it. I think you'll enjoy it much more because there. I think this movie, Nolan's project, is trying to um, build up the gravity of the situation because it was only one little tiny small piece of of that Blitzkrieg. A battle that happened in, at the beginning of World War II, the invasion of France, and that it's one tiny little speck on the timeline of things that happened over the course of those many years. But to make a big two-hour film out of this one thing, it was—I'm not trivializing the nature of it in any way. But that's my concern going into this: is that not enough people are going to understand the the gravity of the Dunkirk uh, situation. Uh, to really appreciate what he's done here. Does it look good? Yeah. It looks like a Christopher Nolan, well shot, well colored. It's it just it's got his stamp on it, um, for sure. And I'm anxious to see if they can spend two hours telling the story. I think they can. You know what else has a stamp on it? The Pirates movies. We keep stamping those because we keep making them. Well, maybe this will be the last one. Uh, it came out, what, yesterday? Today? What is it? Uh, Friday now? What is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Saturday here. We're recording almost, today, yeah. Friday. Uh, it, can, yeah. it it opens, I think it open, had a midnight opening, early opening last night here in L, in the major cities. Uh, yeah. It'll open in mass today. Uh, look, I think something interesting is going to happen this weekend. It is Memorial Day weekend here in the States. Um, yep. Everybody's going to be busy drinking and barbecuing and you know some maybe some fireworks here and there. Indy 500. Yeah. <laughs> the Indy 500. Uh, the Coca-Cola 600 as well. If you need a mm-hmm. nice car... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so my fear is that you've got pirates and Baywatch. So you're setting two a, fa- a kind of a family friendly thriller pirates movie versus a not so family friendly should be kind of probably R rated Rock and Zac Efron running up and down the beach. I'm hearing great things about Baywatch. I'm hearing mixed reviews about pirates. I think these two are going to cannibalize the shit out of each other. Neither yeah. of them are going to do exceptionally well, and we might see mediocre $20 million box offices from each of them uh, for the weekend because everybody's going to be distracted with, with a beautiful weekend, beautiful weather at the pool, barbecuing, doing all the Memorial Day stuff. I, I think they're both not going to do well, but to be determined, I guess. I, I, I would guess that they're both going to make more than 20, but I don't think you know they're going to blow it out of the water, <laughs> no pun intended, for either of those movies. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> I actually want to see Baywatch. I think it looks funny. Pirates, I could watch on a, on a video screen. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I think they need to stop making those movies. I don't know what the, what the point is anymore other than to, um, uh, to basically – Subsidized Johnny Depp's rock star lifestyle that he apparently lives. Yeah, well, Bruckheim, Bruckheimer likes his printing press that he's he has. So sure, and Disney, Disney, you know, it's all an advertisement for their for their theme park, anyways. So yep. um, the only thing that came out of this for me was that I read uh, this week that uh, Javier Bardem is in talks potentially to play Frankenstein in the Universal movie like universe where the Mummy and and uh, Doctor Jekyll and like we don't know who's going to be Dracula, but perfect casting, absolutely perfect casting. I'm really you know I've you know, just gushed about the. Uh, the Universal Movie Monster Universe thing that's happening. Uh, I I can't think of anybody better in modern uh, cinema that would be that good at playing Frankenstein. I think he's going to be fantastic. Hey, speaking of your Universal monsters and Universal things that you like, we're only what five months away from Universal Halloween Horror Nights oh, that you love so much. Oh god! Did you hear what got added that actually might make me go? Because I want to get the crap scared out of me. Here's Johnny. Exactly. The scariest movie, in my opinion, is The Shining. Because it messes with my mind, 
So if I have to go there and like I go in a room and there's like two little twins on tricycles at the end of the th- or whatever, or two little twins at the end of a hallway and, and, a, and an elevator starts bleeding and, and whatever, that'll just, that'll creep me out. But I, that that's one of those where it's like, go face your fear. So if there's some sort of shining thing, universal Halloween Horror Nights, I might have to go. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine turning around in one of those mazes and coming around a 90 degree corner and just at the far end of the that corridor, the two twin girls are standing oh. there. Oh, and then the kid comes out behind you riding the tricycle, and there's red, red rum. Red rum, yeah, exactly. Red rum, red rum, written all over the walls. And I, this has the potential to be one of the best attractions at Halloween Horror Nights in a really, really long time. I don't know if it'll top me actually seeing an aliens, uh, a Zeno costume in you know full scale at when they did the Aliens versus Predator one a couple years ago, but. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. There's another monster we should probably talk about that's uh, that's that's from the Marvel universe. Uh, you know, Venom. Remember when they made that horrible Spider-Man three movie with Topher Grace as Eddie Brock to play Venom? Well, in the new Spider-Man universe, which we got a pretty good trailer for this week, don't really need to spend time on it except to say it still looks good. It'll be out in a month. Yay! I'm going to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hardy is apparently in talks to play Venom this time uh, and play Eddie Brock. So now, hang on. I thought this was still a Sony property. How is how are the Marvel guys doing it? It's still a Sony property, but it's a Marvel movie made through Sony. Now, is this going to be considered canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or is this now going the way of the other Spider-Man separate stuff? I don't have an answer on that. Somebody might. You know, I mean, we have this sort of like handshake deal between the two right now for this current Spider-Man because RDJ is in it as Iron Man, and the and you know. And uh, this Spider-Man was over in Civil War on the Marvel, uh, you know, the Disney side. But I don't know how this plays in. But um, and while I'm excited to hear that Tom Hardy's going to play Venom, it's like, do you really need him to play Venom? It's more about who plays Eddie Brock. But it's not like it's not like when you see him in whatever CGI or whatever Venom he's going to be, you're like, oh, what a great Tom Hardy performance that was. Or, <laughs> maybe, yeah. or maybe he will. He has that ability to just sort of like wow us. So I mean. I'm excited to see him in something like that. I mean, it's it's kind of like Bane, but you can't see his face. If he does Venom and plays with the Bane voice, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be funny. Perhaps. Maybe you shouldn't be uh, swinging through buildings, Mister Spider Man. That would get in the way. Don't hit him. Don't, him. don't run into a car. Hmm. Okay. I'm Venom. That doesn't work at all. No. <laughs> Well, speaking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Deadpool is getting an animated series on the FXX network, um, which is apparently being executive produced by none other than Donald Glover. Who's Donald Glover? You should know who that is. Yes, he's Lando Calrissian now. That guy's blowing up right now. Yes, he is. Uh, He is also the executive producer of the hit TV show Atlanta. Uh, He's got so many things going on right now. He's kind of Mr. Hollywood right now. Yeah, he's so talented, so creative. I can't wait to see what he does next. And if you hand him that sort of property, only good things can happen. Yeah, it's also um, got Marvel's Jeff Loeb and Jim Corey are also involved. Yep. So yep. you've got the this you've got a really good pedigree of people putting this together. Uh, I really hope it, the fact that it's an animated series scares me a little bit that it's going to attract the kids and we want the R-rated Deadpool that was so successful. That's my only little stitch in my craw here. Um, about uh, doing Deadpool's an animated series on a TV network. Uh, the the thing that made Deadpool successful was they removed all the leashes and they just let Ryan Reynolds be that. Ex- they let him be Wade, and it's just I'm worried about that. That's the only thing that I'll say right there. All right. Um, with the success of Legion, and I put that in air quotes because I don't really know uh. if it's considered a success. Yeah, it is. 
It is. Um, it's critically acclaimed. Yeah. I, I, I haven't watched any of it yet, full disclosure. I tried watching the first episode, couldn't get into it, but uh, is this a thing? Are we going to begin to see Marvel now further dip its toes in? We've got Legion. We've got a Deadpool series now. Uh, I could see them doing something with the X-Men in a series going forward. Well, there's talk of that already, I think. I think there is an X-Men series of some kind coming. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, Legion technically is kind of an, an X-Men series in a weird yeah. way, but... Um, that aside, I think Marvel is about to invade television. They've pretty much owned the cinemas now for the last ten or fifteen years, and I and think, they own they own Netflix too. Uh, I mean, that, with their totally, stuff. totally, and I, I I think they're doing the right thing with Netflix with the binge watching and all of those shows are doing great. Uh, Iron Fist was, uh, but Jesse Jones was fun. <laughs> Daredevil is a smash hit. Punisher is going to be coming out, uh, but now they're trying to take over broadcast television and the cable networks as well. I, is is this just Disney trying to rule the world? Is that really what this comes down to? I think they kind of already do, whether or not we want to admit it. Right. Well, hey, let's switch gears and jump over the other side of the fence and talk about DC. We've got a hot new yeah. Wonder Woman coming uh, right around the corner. And I know on the last episode we talked about if anybody really knew about it. Well, the reviews are starting to come in for the early, uh, early press, and uh, it's getting rave reviews. People saying it's the best DC movie since The Dark Knight, which, funny enough, I watched yesterday. So did I, which is so crazy. I watched it. Yeah, I think we tweeted back and forth today. Like, I watched Dark Knight as well last night. For some reason, two nights ago, I was like, ah, and I was going through my iTunes here, and, and, I, would, and I started watching Batman Begins. And then I woke up uh, yesterday, and we had, we had kind of a half day off. And then I went to bed watching Dark Knight. And then I wake up and see the tweet from you, and I'm like, whoa, what are the odds of that? Great minds think alike, I guess. Yes. Uh, I just know that I had not – I was very curious about the – seeing Heath Ledger again. And I just – I wanted to see that Joker again for some reason. I think that's what made me cut it on. And I intended to watch like the first 20 minutes just to get to the scene where he comes in with the drug – the criminals. Because I think that's one of the greatest scenes by any actor in the last 20 years or so. Um, but it's, I wanted to see that. And then I just left it on while I was working with other stuff. And I ended up just closing the laptop and finishing watching the movie. Like, I can't say that I've done that about a film and completely dedicated a hundred percent of my attention to a film like that in a, in a really long time. So anyway, not to get completely sidetracked, uh, we got wonder woman coming out, uh, very, very soon. It's getting rave reviews so far. Yeah. Um, next weekend. Yeah. Next week. I, is it next weekend? June 2nd. Oh, man. Okay. So that is one I'm definitely going to go see in IMAX if it's available. I'm not 100% sure if it will be, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I'm hoping Gal Gadot can can deliver as Diana. I'm hearing that she does. But we need to talk about something uh, a little bit more somber, a little bit more sobering. Um, We we questioned whether or not to talk about this, and we can't not bring it up, I think is what we ultimately came down to. Um, in case you haven't heard the news, uh, Zack Snyder, the director of uh, Batman vs. Superman and many other films, his daughter uh, committed suicide back in March, and he has mostly swept it under the rug. He didn't want it to be in the public eye, but realized this past week that he needed to be with family and that it was more important uh, than burying himself in work and trying to deal with it that way. Uh, as a result of this... Uh, Unbeknownst to many, including myself, Joss Whedon had been working on rewrites uh, for some reshoots uh, and some add-ons that they, some additional scenes that they wanted to shoot. So he was already kind of involved behind the scenes with the writing of these. So with Zack Snyder stepping down, Joss Whedon is now stepping into a directorial role to 
take over uh, shooting these reshoots and add-on scenes, as well as finishing post on the Justice League movie. So, Andy, I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this uh, as far as um, Zach making this decision and the, the addition of Joss Whedon to take over. I, uh, I, I think the first thought that comes to my mind is your heart goes out to him. Uh, the, the biggest fear of any parent is to outlive their child. Yeah. Uh, when you hear something like that, it just it's horrible. And whether or not you know the guy or you're a fan of the guy and his work, you still have to be you know empathetic to that situation and sympathetic as well. I'll say that uh, uh, my first thought about it was, you know, I'm sure there's all the trolls that are going to come out and be like, great, Snyder's not finishing it up. It's going to be awesome. No, it's not the case. It's not how you should look at it. Apparently, all the reshoots were written before he stepped away. I don't know how much Whedon had to do with it, whether he wrote them or not, but he is going to direct the reshoots from everything that I've read. He was already on board to to um, to get into the DC universe anyways, because he's uh, been tapped to do the, the Batgirl movie at some point. Yeah. The, it's it's great that they have him to sort of you know ask questions to and sort of maybe guide this movie through the end. I I don't think he would I don't think he would go against any of sort of Zack Snyder's wishes or designs. I mean that would just be a horrible thing to do to a guy. But if there is anybody that knows how to make a group superhero movie and has done it successfully twice, it's that guy. Right. So I mean it's in good hands. Uh, again, it, it's tough to be excited about that because of what happens to Zack Snyder and his wife in this situation. It's horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Uh, whether or not it's going to make the movie any better or worse, at least it's going to get done, and uh, we get to see it on November 17th. Well, again, thoughts and prayers out to um, to Snyder and his family. Uh, that is just absolutely a horrible thing to, to have to deal with, but I'm, I'm still looking forward to seeing Justice League. I've noticed another trend this week, and yes, we've talked about it on previous episodes. It looks like we're going to be taking a long trip down to Reboot City. Reboot City? <laughs> yes, Reboot City. I'm going to list a bunch of them for you because I think we're running long. Here we go. Uh, Schwarzenegger is going to play the Terminator in another movie. James Cameron is getting the rights back to that in 2019. Uh, he has said, Schwarzenegger, that uh, Cameron has some good ideas and he will be in the movie. That's straight from Schwarzenegger's mouth. Uh, Top Gun 2 is apparently in the work with Tom Cruise attached. He announced that this week in an Australian morning show. Uh, two other reboots that we should take a little more time on. Number one, uh, Resident Evil is already getting rebooted. What? Ready? Right now? Can you believe that? Didn't they just make the last one? I, I just watched the final chapter like a month ago. It just finished, literally, and they're already rebooting it. The one I'm excited about, though, is Hellboy. Oh yes, um, I cannot. Uh, David Harbor uh, is being cast to play Hellboy, and and short of Ron Perlman doing it again, I cannot think of anybody else. He looks the part in this concept art that I've seen so far. I listen. Perfect. I loved the first two Hellboy movies. I thought they were. They. I don't know that they could be done any better. They were fantastic. Uh, but there is tons of untapped potential here. Yes, there are so yes, many side stories in this kind of uh, Hellboy universe, and uh, the one thing that I'm going to have a, a what's the what's the story the BPRD I think is what they call it uh, that yep. that the lore around that the thing I'm going to miss most I think is Doug Jones playing Abe I, I think that's the one thing that I'm going to just miss the most because he absolutely nailed that I hadn't heard that he wasn't going to do that that's crazy yeah. If you don't know who David Harbour is, who's going to be playing Hellboy, he is the sheriff guy from Stranger Things. So yes. if you can picture that guy's face and picture his face being Hellboy, seems to work. One other thing, uh, it's not really a reboot, but this is a movie we've been talking about at length for a long time. We're both fans of the game. The Uncharted movie has gotten some more news. Uh, Tom Holland, the Spider-Man kid, is going to be playing Nathan Drake. And I just thought when I heard that, I was like, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> it was in my reaction too. In my head, it was it was Wahlberg who kind of looks the part, and in my perfect world, it was Taco Bell's favorite son, Nathan Fillion, who was would have been the perfect uh, uh, Nathan Drake in my mind. But uh, apparently, they're going young on this. What do you think? My theory is that they're going to shoot uh, uh, Tom Holland as the. If you've played the Uncharted games, you know that you play as the kid. Child Nathan Drake, and you play as the adult. I think they're going to do both. I think they're going to do flashback, throwback scenes with Tom Holland as the kid Nathan Drake. And I think we will still see an adult version of Nathan Drake at some point in the future. Yeah, maybe they'll do it like that Boyhood movie where they shoot all the young stuff with Tom Holland and then they wait for him to grow up for like 10 years and then he'll look weird like Haley Joel Osment did when he got old. So then they'll have to go back to Nathan Fillion. That's what's going to happen in the Uncharted universe. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'm not waiting 10 years to see an Uncharted (laughs) movie. I'm sorry. Oh, my plan was pretty solid there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, let's move on to some Netflix news to kind of close things out here real quick. Um, I I heard a a rumor that they broke Cannes, and I wanted to explain what I mean by this. Um, Cannes has the Cannes Film Festival held in France every year. Uh, has now changed the rules where any film that is screened at the film festival must be available for French theatrical distribution. Now, hmm, why would they do this? Well, remember last week when we were talking about Reed Hastings and wanting to get his Netflix movies into the cinemas? Yep. But the fact that he's also going to release them on his streaming platform called Netflix? Well, same yep. kind of thing applied here. Uh, just because he doesn't want to sign up for French film distribution uh, in the theaters and not giving you know any kind of exclusivity to the distribution is now going to prevent him from screening any of the Netflix films at Cannes. I, I'm curious, to you being part of the entertainment industry specifically, what, what do you think about this? As many people you know that are making movies and independent films that depend on festivals for distribu- to get distribution – what do you think of stuff like this? I'm of two minds on it. I, I think uh, the Cannes Film Festival is is kind of the pinnacle of the film festivals in the world. You know what I mean? So they're 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 sort of like the big movies go there, and it's steeped in tradition, just like everything else in cinema. And they don't want to you know make it new and change the game, just like baseball doesn't want to do this because we've been doing it for a hundred years or whatever it is. I think it's the kind of a little bit of that. Don't you feel like that? Um, I don't feel like it's very rare that a young and independent up and coming film will get into Cannes Film Festival. It's usually going to have a big studio behind it or at least some big money behind it. Um, but it, it, it says, it says to me that, you know, I think this is eventually going to, to, money's going to talk on this and I think they're, they're eventually going to change their tune, but what do I know? They're French. They hate us. So there you go. Well, I think with Netflix coming in and, um, starting to make, you know, a hundred million dollar budget films with Martin Scorsese, that that's yeah. a that's a different conversation than you know the other independent stuff that's being made that you might show up at Sundance or real independent festival or something like a, that. But that's a thing. Like independent stuff that's really good and really solid is has historically been there and has made you know has made waves and then it gets you know traction out of that. Right. Who cares if it's if it's a Netflix movie or not? You know what I mean? I just I, it seems really like pompous and and uh, uh, what's the word I want to use. Uh, pretentious yeah. uh, to, on their part, but it, I would expect nothing less. I think the reason for festivals traditionally has been to gain distribution and garner press and hype and build hype around a particular film property. I think that's going to need to change uh, to a more, let's actually go back to highlighting the film itself rather than it being a vehicle for, to get distribution. I, I think festivals need to maybe turn the knob just a little bit to get away from distribution and more more hype and focus on the actual film, cast, and directors itself, almost like a Comic-Con panel, 
if that's yeah. a weird analogy. I feel like that does more for the film and the fans, for the consumers, the people that are going to be paying you money to see this, rather than the actual, you know, let's go see who will give us, you know, $100 million for our, our dirty movie. I, that's where I kind of where I stand on it. I, you know, can is absolutely steeped in tradition. Sundance is steeped in tradition, but those are two completely different film festivals with two completely different audiences. And I, I, I get it. My thing is, I think this is going to get ugly. I think we're going to see people that want to live in the tradition, but there's realists out there that just want to get their film distributed. And it's, yeah. they're going to start going to different festivals and the can is going to turn into a, <laughs> a pan of just uh, you know theater heavyweights and industry heavyweights going to drink for a weekend in you know, the mountains of France, you know you uh, that's really what it's gonna if it's not that already, frankly. Well, hey, that's enough of me ranting about that. Did you hear about this new Witcher series that's coming out uh, based on the video game? I did, and did you know that the video game is based on a comic book? There I did not. Oh, see, now we now that won't get retracted. Um, so yes, there's a Witcher series, which is steeped in all kinds of comic book and video game lore. Looks really cool. Uh, they would actually make a series about this. I have not played these games. Witcher three is supposed to be amazing, but it's a huge time suck. And we have enough of those huge time suck games right now. Um, I want to see that, uh, dark crystal age of resistance. That one kind of came out of nowhere too. What did you think of that? Uh, huge fan. This was one of my first, um, as a kid, one of the first movies I remember watching that was the Jim Henson animatronic Muppets, yeah. Uh, uh, hand puppet sort of live action puppet things. I've I've got a huge soft spot, not because it's 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 really a bad film if you if you watch it objectively, but it has a near and dear place to so many of us uh, yep. as kids that that grew up watching this movie. Same with Labyrinth and all those other you know eighties kids movies that were this. It was our first introduction to like kid horror, kind of scary, weird stuff, yep. right? Yep. I'm I'm totally stoked for this. I'm I'm totally going to watch it and live in that, you know, uh reminisce about the the days of old. I actually looked up the other day of where I could find a copy of Dark Crystal cuz I can't seem to find it right now. It's not on Netflix, not on Hulu. I can't find it online. So I I'm, I'm looking for a copy of it so I can go back and revisit it again. But I I'm totally stoked for it. Call up my wife and uh she'll let you in the garage. There's a big stack of DVDs in there and I, I know for a fact we have it. I don't know if I have anything that still plays DVDs. Oh, well, there you go. Your uh, your PlayStation 4 would. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, one more thing also from childhood. One of my favorite video games growing up was Castlevania. We talked about the Castlevania anime that they were working on uh, a month or two ago when they announced it. We finally saw a teaser this week, and oh my goodness, looks amazing. I can't wait for this as well. Uh, apparently, it's what, four 15-minute things, and it's going to be an hour. I can't remember what the exact number was, but uh, yeah, that's coming July 7th, so that's coming quickly too. Looks, all these things that we used to be talking about and used to be excited about are all coming to fruition like within the next couple of weeks. It's really kind of exciting. Oh, absolutely. I'm, ashamed, I'm, I'm sad that you're – I'm glad you're, you've got a really cool gig and you're in Europe and boo-hoo, you're traveling the world. But I, I'm, I'm missing you here because there's so much content to, to hang out and watch. Tell me about it. I'm missing it all. I'm watching old episodes of whatever and like Dark Knight. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> Bond movies from the 70s. Like what's wrong with me? Well, hey, if you don't mind, I, I need a minute. Because okay. I, I need, there's something I need to get off my chest. But we still need to talk about video games, and there's there's not much going on over there right now. But I, I just I need a minute to talk about something. Okay, go for it. What the fuck is Paul McCartney doing in a Pirates of the Caribbean film? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know he was in it. Really? Do, he's he has a little bit part. Don't they know that there are millions of people tending bar and eating 
friggin' top ramen in Los Angeles, <laughs> scraping to even get a callback for an audition. Oh man, that's and, a good and, point. And and you buttheads have to go and cast bit parts to people that have been famous for sixty friggin' years. You can't even give a bit part in a pirate Disney pirates movie to some up and coming kind of Disney princess or an old guy that's been doing voiceover that just wants to do something on film before he does. You have to put Paul and Keith Richards. We're putting Keith Richards and Paul McCartney music icons from the Rolling Stones and Beatles 60 years ago into Disney movies. What the fuck is going on? I, I just, I can't, I just, this is one of those things I just cannot get my head around. And and I just I would love to hear what you guys think as listeners. Do you care? Does this make you want to go see the movie? Does it just annoy you? I don't know. Here in Los Angeles, I think it's it's just you're just pissing on all the people that are here trying to make uh trying to make a living, trying to chase their dream that are going to auditions every day. It just really winds me up. So I, I'm sorry for the little rant there. I just I needed to get that off my chest. And uh, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Let us know. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really surprised by that. A, I didn't know that he was in it. And to hear that uh, and to hear you're so passionate about him not being in it is kind of interesting to me. So let me ask you this question. If it was Sean Connery, it's okay because he's an actor. But as long as it, he has to be an older, like famous actor, right? You can't be somebody that crosses over from a different line of work. I get it. I get where you're going with this. The Keith Richards thing was sort of like a thank you thing from Johnny Depp because basically Johnny Depp is playing Keith Richards when he plays – Jack Sparrow, and he's admitted that. But yeah, I don't get this this Paul McCartney thing. Now that you tell me about it, uh, it doesn't make me mad or sad. I get what you're saying about the the whole uh, working actor thing, not getting a job. But uh, yeah, it's not going to make me go see the movie or not go see the movie. And does he even have a speaking part? I don't know. I don't know. The fact that he it, it's even news that Paul McCartney is in a Pirates movie just pisses me off. Like, go <laughs> okay. go cash your Beatles royalty checks and drive your expensive cars up and down Sunset Boulevard and leave the movies alone. Nobody's tried to. Yeah. Nobody's tried to do your Beatles music over again. Yeah. Oh, well, it would work if he brought a yellow submarine into a pirates movie. Oh, right? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about some video games. So, uh, Nintendo, our old friends, Nintendo. I did manage to bring the Nintendo Switch with me on this trip. By the way, have not played it at all, which is probably going to make my kids angry because I took it away from them for this trip. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Nintendo, uh, who apparently doesn't sell anything because they never have anything on the shelves, still has their stock up eighty-seven percent. Something. What does the YOY mean? What does that mean? Year over year is what that means. So that even though that they they came out with the NES Classic, they sold a hundred of them and then they never made them again. Uh, and even though they came out with the Nintendo switch, but it was impossible to actually find one after the first day, uh, somehow their stock has still gone up 87%. Now that has to be a hype growth thing and not a actual sales kind of thing. Uh, I would maybe think maybe the, maybe the iPhone games have something to do with that. I don't know. Or the Pokemon releases. I, I would say Pokemon. The, absolutely. Uh, we did hear that Mario Kart eight, which launched a couple weeks ago, just before I left, uh, sold 459,000 units in one day on day that's, one. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And then and they the, weren't, they weren't the available same, anywhere. <laughs> it's the, the cart was cart was everywhere. The system was not, I will tell you this story. Uh, from overseas. I was in a major city, uh, European city, uh, last week, and I had to pick up a cable to try and record this show, but I picked up the wrong cable, and I'll explain that to you offline. I went into this. It's basically a Best Buy of Europe. They have them all over the place. Uh, it's called Media Market or something like that, right? Okay. 
So I go in there and I and I'm looking for this uh, cable, and sure enough, I go over in the, the video game section. They probably had. 30 to 40 Nintendo Switches just sitting on the shelf. What? For a regular price. Oh, yeah. I could have picked up, you know, 10 of them and turned them over on eBay and made, you know, a couple grand, but I'm not going to be that guy. So uh, if you want one, let me know when I go back to that city in a couple weeks and they still have them, I'll pick you up one. But Uh, uh, moving on from that, uh, Mass Effect, uh, which we talked at length about and and has been under all sort of like critical scrutiny, but, you know, people still like it. Apparently, BioWare and EA have come out and said that the Mass Effect universe is on hold. So I don't know if that means we're not going to be making any more Mass Effect games or if there's not going to be a Mass Effect Andromeda 2 or if they want to just maybe retool everything based on the bad critical response. But um, I don't know. What do you think of this news? I have to believe that they've mapped out a two to three game timeline for the whole story. And the couple of people that I've talked to that have finished the story agree with that. It, It feels like there's more to tell. What, I, what I'll just say in addition to that is, if I'm not mistaken, there was at least two, if not three years that went by between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, the two most yeah. popular ones. Yep, for sure. So let's, let's hold our horses. It's been three months, yeah. if that. It's been two months. Yep. Two months. Relax, people. I think a lot of this stuff has to do more with media hype and, and sensationalizing rather than actual reality let's 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 bring things back down to reality a little bit relax enjoy the game play it for what it is stop putting expectations out there within 60 days uh, of whether or not they're going to do a sequel in two years come on i think i think the pr release of this is kind of a problem though because what you're essentially saying to the people that are playing the game and or people that are looking forward to another game is like well we kind of screwed up, so we're going to put everybody on the back burner for a little bit. That's that's the sort of optics of this. That's what it comes across to me as the, and to you as. The optics, yes, but it wasn't an official press release from them. It was a response to a question on a on an earnings call. Oh, okay. And so, well, I mean, this isn't like they came out and said, yep, we're putting Mass Effect on hold. There was a question that came up. Somebody took that out of context and ran with it as, as an article, and then it got picked up and syndicated, and now it's just this. This is what I'm saying. This is... It's sensationalizing. It's been sixty days. We we need yeah, to calm okay. down. You know. Well, you know what's not been sixty days? Almost like sixty years. It seems like is uh, the old Nintendo games we used to play as kids, which are not forty years old like Star Wars, but thirty plus. Right. Yeah. So over time, they've made all of these like at home consoles that like you, 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 I've had one. You've had one maybe yeah. where it's like a it's like a thing that's like a box that you would normally buy on eBay. Then they started selling them in like a Toys R Us. Hyperkin was the name of this company that makes these things, right? right. So it's a little box that has a slot for a Nintendo game, a Genesis game, a Super Nintendo game, and and they're all, or maybe now like even a 64 game, right? And it's one box, and usually you would you know would come with it. You could put your old controllers into it. And it, could, it was awesome because you could play all of your old cartridges for people that still kept that stuff, right? Um, I feel like that the they just announced another one, the Retro N, that plays only NES cartridges, but this one is now like uh, it's a 720p HD. So you don't have to use like you know the the red and yellow RCA cables anymore. Right. It actually is like it actually comes with a Nintendo like controller with a ten foot cable, which was one of the problems with the classic. I think, um, and you said it here in the notes, and you're absolutely right. Uh, they are basically riding the hype of the discontinued classic. Like, oh, you don't want you can't get a classic with only thirty games in it. Well, here's this box. It's about the same price, and you can also play all of your old games. Take that, Nintendo. We're going to make the money. <laughs> right? Uh, yes, uh, I think they did it right. I think they're going to sell a ton of these. Uh, I think it's a misstep to require the cartridges and not figure out how to do it digitally, including the ability to plug it into the internet and download uh, uh, 
emulator ROMs, whatever the hell. It, I don't know how illegal that is, but you could still license it yeah. somehow. Um, the, look, these little third-party consoles come out as the patents expire on the, the technology designs of the, the way that the cartridges interact with the boards inside the all that stuff. That's how it lines up. So we're starting to see all of these come out now over the last 10 years or so because those mm-hmm. 25 years went by and, and expired on a lot of the patents. And as more of them do, uh, we'll, I think we'll see uh, more of them start to do that. The thing to take away here is that, yes, you do still need the cartridges, your original NES cartridges, to play on the Hyperkin Retro N, even though it is HD and, and has the nice features, you still need those original cartridges. And I don't know if you've seen how much it costs to get a Mario Three or a Zelda original cartridge. Some of those it's can not be cheap. Some of those can be a hundred bucks. Yeah. So it, to to find them probably. So if you don't have the original cartridges or a, you know a crate full of these things probably not a good purchase for you because uh, you know you're still going to have to have those you're still going to have to go out and pay anywhere from 10 to a hundred dollars per game just to be able to play these old classic ones that's where i think um nintendo had a one-up on these third parties was just the digital loading of the games onto the classic for sure you know a game i would pay uh, almost a hundred dollars for is uh, injustice 2 i don't know if you played the first series of these the injustice game where it was just like it was basically mortal Kombat with all the dc characters yeah. It was phenomenal. It was so good, and I played it on Xbox and, and PS4. I played it on my iPad. I played it on my phone, and like stuff you did on your phone, your iPad would actually transfer over into the actual big game. It was amazing, right? Uh, that game came out a couple weeks ago. I've seen some of like the whole like the the supers or the whatever the not fatalities, but they're kind of fatalities in the DC universe. I wish I was at home playing this game right now, and it's gotten great reviews from all the people that liked the first one and from all the fighting fans before. I don't know if this is something you would ever get into, but uh, it's. It's super fun. I've been playing on my iPad, um, even though my iPad's older. I can't wait to get home and buy this game and play it. Thoughts? I didn't play much of the first one. It it was very much like Mortal Kombat with DC Heroes, and that was that was kind of my thoughts on it. And you know, I'll have a get off my lawn moment and say I I'm not good at those games anymore. I, I don't know all the combos, Street Fighter combos, and all those crazy twists and turns and button. Co- I don't know all that stuff. I will say Injustice 2, just watching the trailer geeks me out hardcore. It looks like this kind of super hybrid of Killer Instinct and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, but with DC characters thrown in. I mean, some of the supers and crazy stuff that they're doing looks fantastic. My fear would be I wouldn't have any idea how to do any of the stuff that they're showing you in the in the thing. So I do have it downloaded. Uh, I am looking forward to, to trying it and playing it. Um, it's I'll probably get to it this weekend. I don't know if I'll spend a ton of time in it. Uh, like I do with Overwatch or Destiny or something like that, but it does look fun to pull out and you know beat each other up every now and then. You know what uh, else is going to beat each other up? Um, we do have the new Madden 18 cover boy, and it is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, however you want to say it. Uh, yep. Tom Brady will be on the cover of Madden. Now, you would probably argue that there's nobody more deserving of this. However, I'm immediately going to think of the Madden curse. Of course. You can't talk about the Madden cover without the Madden curse. Uh, I think... If there's anybody that's resilient to that, it's going to be Tom Brady. But look, we typically have running backs or wide receivers on here, or yep. maybe the one-off linebacker, linebacker Von Miller sort. Yep. Um, but I can't remember the last time. When was the last time we had a quarterback on the cover? Um, I can't remember the last couple. Maybe Peyton Manning is a Colt. Uh, I don't think he was ever on it. Um, we'd true. have to look that up. Like look Gronk up. was on it. Gronk was on it last year. Yep, and then he had a bad season. Uh, some of the notorious ones like Dante Culpepper was on it. He had a horrible season. Ray Lewis was on it. He killed a guy. Um, <laughs> uh, Sean Alexander was on it. He had a horrible season. Then remember Peyton Hillis from the Browns? He had oh, like a yeah. really good, like, 
had a really good season, and then the fans voted him onto the Madden cover, and then he had and he disappeared, never played football again. Yeah, the Madden curse is a real thing. You should look it up. It's 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 fascinating how, how people get on the cover of Madden and then either get hurt or their careers just fall apart. If you'd think Tom Brady would be invincible to this, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I I I think I don't think it's going to affect him one bit. <laughs> Honestly, it's it couldn't be more. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. We'll see. The last thing that we'll talk about in video games that is going to affect us greatly, I have a feeling. Uh, we did see finally over the last what was it last week that we saw the Destiny launch Destiny Two launch event. Mm. Right. We uh, we've spoken at length early in our in our in our podcasting career on this show about our love of Destiny and have sort of touched. Uh, on it every now and then the game hasn't really changed too much over the last couple of years but i will tell you some of the things i saw in this reveal made me really excited to get back into that world again absolutely i think the new interface the new look of it uh looks fantastic there's gonna be tons of loot tons of guns all new suit i can't i'm a warlock i play the warlock class so that thing where he's raining down like blades of fire onto people into that (laughs) i i just can't wait i don't care about anything else i just want to go do that it looks like they really figured out the fact that they need to have a strong story and it looks like it just it's story 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 for through all of the campaign and the patrol thing that's going to change and i mean i don't want to get too much into details and and uh but this looks like it's like they took all the things that we didn't like about the first game which were few and you know, and they fixed it all, and it's going to be a game that's going to to maybe be like think. I almost look at like the first game is now like a beta, and now we're getting Destiny the way it was supposed to be. Uh, the big takeaway for me of the event itself, uh, what look I've speculated uh, many many times that Destiny and Blizzard, or I'm sorry, Bungie and Blizzard oh, yeah. are hanging out in the background, and Bungie is taking notes from every all of the lessons that. Uh, uh, Blizzard has learned from World of Warcraft and implementing those kinds of things into Destiny. As a as a longtime World of Warcraft player playing through Destiny, I can sense those things. I can feel them uh, affecting the game of Destiny in a positive way. So it was it was a huge surprise, but not really a surprise. Uh, at the end of the Destiny Two launch event, when the CEO of Blizzard, Mike Morheim, pops up on the screen and goes, "Hey guys." How you doing? Uh, what's happening is literally the Destiny Two. Destiny Two is coming to the PC now. It's not just going to be a console game. Yeah. Yes, those worlds are going to live separately. No cross-platform that we know of yet. They're kind of world, but that was expected. But the PC version is going to be run at least from the front end standpoint through the Battle uh, Blizzard launcher known as BattleNet. Now, if you've played any games like Diablo, Overwatch. World of Warcraft, uh, Heroes of the Storm, any of those games, they all launch through the Battle.net launcher. And this is a way to keep things safe. It requires you to be online to be able to play it, prevents hacking, all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that they're now going to sell the game of Destiny on the Blizzard store mm-hmm. and launch it in the Battle.net Blizzard launcher, I'm sitting here twirling my evil mustache going, <laughs> something's in the works here, and there, this is just the first hint of it. And, you know, this game's coming out in September. We're like three, yeah, three, four months away now. We'll probably get a beta next month. Yeah. So, I mean, what are they going to do in the next three months? I don't know. They, they got tons of stuff to tease us with. I can't wait to get back to the where they do the live streaming of all, with the developers and the con, and the level designers. I'm sure there's going to be tons of those from the Bungie crew. I, I raved about Mass Effect Andromeda, but I think this is going to very quickly steal Game of the Year away from uh, from my heart, at least. Especially since one other game that we haven't even put in our list here got uh, delayed. 
one that we were very excited about. Two things. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, delayed till next year. That sucks. But they did announce yet another uh, release date for the South Park game we were looking forward to. Right now, that is October 17th until that gets pushed again. You know what? I'm fine with this. Deliver it when it's done. We don't need another Destiny or No Man's Sky on our hands. Let's do it when it... Give me the game when it's done. That is one thing that Blizzard has always done exceptionally well. Uh, from all of their games, is that it will be ready it, soon? Is their answer? When's it going to come out? Soon. For every single thing that <laughs> yeah, they say, right? Yeah. Uh, they don't. They don't tease release dates until they're you know, two to three months away from. They know, right? They're, they got to get the CDs made. That's about it. Um, yeah. So I'm fine with this, dear developers and publishers. Please stop feeling like you have to tease us and tell us a release date. Just say soon. We're fine with that. So, I mean, you know, I've been over here in Europe for a while. We haven't gotten a chance to talk and hang out as much as we normally do as a result. So uh, I've noticed something over here, though, and I think we should go have a chat about that in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. What's up? What's going on over in Europe? So here's the thing. Um, in Los Angeles, we, we're in the we're in the we've talked about being in like the center of the entertainment universe. Everywhere you look on a bus, on a plane, on a park bench, on a building there's always something about a movie or a tv show that is out or coming out you know there, it's everywhere right, right? Yep. in magazines in the in the in the in the grocery store line and uh it, everywhere every every time you turn on a tv every time you watch an ad on youtube there's something for something right that's movie or tv related i have noticed over here in the entire time that i've been here and that's almost three weeks i have seen two things i saw one building in germany that had uh, uh a pirates of the caribbean uh, logo on it or like big like poster thing, right? And in Sweden, I saw a bus stop, like you know, like the bus stop where it has like the glass side of it, you know, like underneath the thing where the bench would be, where they would normally put a movie poster. I saw an Alien Covenant thing. Other than that, in all of these major European cities that I've been in, the major European countries, I have not seen a single movie or TV ad or whatever, and that just doesn't really exist over here. Like you know, uh, every every sort of blank space on buildings, and you don't see when you're driving down the road or a uh, highway system here. You don't see a big billboard on the side of the road that tells huh. you like McDonald's is coming up in in two exits or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just not here. And so then I wonder to myself, like, because I'm excited about this, and I'm and I'm just normally surrounded by this sort of hype, and I, I just don't see it over here. So it makes me wonder. How do these people know about all the stuff that we do? Now, you've done a lot of work over here as well. Yeah. What Did you ever notice that until I brought it up or no? No, not until you brought it up. Usually when I'm over there, it's it's regarding the tech industry, and I'm in that mindset, and I'm not really paying attention to, to what's going on there. It's you know it's doing the thing and working and, and eating and then going to bed and getting up and doing it again. I sure. never really put two and two together until you said something about it, and then I started thinking back about all my trips. and you're, I can't remember ever seeing a single billboard. In, in any of the cities in Europe that I've that I've visited, from Dublin all the way to Barcelona to to Germany, I, I can't remember anything, honestly, of ever seeing. And I think I went into a newsstand once, similar to a Seven Eleven, and there were like Empire Magazine and stuff like that on the sure. shelves. That was it. And it's interesting that you bring this up again because I I don't know if you know if you look at the domestic versus international or global haul for a movie. Most of the time, the worldwide haul is two to three X what the domestic U S is. And that's mm-hmm. just sheer numbers. There's only 300 and something million people in the U S, but there's billions of people outside of the U S and, and most of the, most of the big box office hall comes from the Chinese revenue, right? I mean, that's what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. I, it makes me want to reach out to some of my, um, my colleagues that are in 
that I know that are into movies and video games and whatnot that are in some of those cities and ask them. And I'd be curious, I mean, maybe have a conversation with some of your uh, foreign colleagues there about what it's like uh, trying to find out, do they just live on the internet? Are they constantly just on their phones, subscribed to stuff, trying to get updates on what the next big Hollywood movie is? I, just, I don't think they care. I really don't. I think they know that they're, it's not like, it's not such a big thing here where it's like, you know, um, I think I mentioned to somebody, uh, a German person that, uh, that I said something like, yeah, are you excited for the new alien movie? And they're like, yeah, I guess so. You know, like, we like these movies, but they don't get excited about movies like we do. And maybe it's because they're not bombarded with hype over here. Mm. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll do some more research in my travels, but, um, I don't know. It's just something I noticed. It's not really a big topic or anything. I just, I just wanted to point it out. And it seems to me that, you know, LA, New York, um, you, I think of Tokyo, I think of, and I'm not in Tokyo, but I think of those cities when I think of like billboards and all kinds of cra- crazy stuff everywhere. And I'm, like I said, I've been in a couple of major European cities, not in London, um, but, uh, and I have not seen anything. And that's really kind of surprising to me. And then part of it makes me wonder if it's like you don't really put all this stuff up all over the city because there's all of these historic buildings everywhere that you don't want to cover up. Maybe that's it. Maybe. That's a, that's a great point. Um, I, maybe they're so steeped in history over there that, uh, wow, okay, now that you say that, that's really a, I can totally understand that if that was the reason why. Absolutely. Yeah. So apparently there's one person who doesn't understand some international things, and that is good old Steven Seagal, who what? apparently has been banned from entering the Ukraine. Not what? sure why. Not sure why, but I'm sure he did something to piss somebody off. And he can't uh, maybe fight he his ate way all in. the buffets out of business. <laughs> That's maybe what it is. Um, which that will make me uh, lead to our... Lightning round! All right, so Steven Seagal, we made fun of him last week for being overweight, and, you know, sorry. Um... Lightning round is, why not? Let's see how many Steven Seagal movies you can name. Go! Oh, man. Um, you got to start with Under Siege. Yeah. Uh, above the Law. Um, Fire Down Below. Oh, yeah. Out for Justice. Yep. Um, there was one called Fist, Fist of Fury. Flight of Fury? I can't, something, uh, something of Fury that I can't remember. Uh, oh, Glimmer Man with um, yes, yes. Uh, what's his name? Let's see. Uh, you can always say Under Siege Two. Under Siege Two. Oh, Under Siege Two, of course. Dark Territory with my favorite villain yep. line of all time. Something yep. is the mother of all fuck ups. In case you want to. Know. <laughs> Uh, uh, remember Hard to Kill, Mark for Death? Yeah, he did a show called Lawman a few years ago, which was oh, yeah. kind of the interesting. Show? Yes, I don't know. If it was, was, it, was it a reality show? I, I think I so. Know. He was like uh, a cop in like a small town or something. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think he did. I don't know. Uh, uh, my favorite Steven Seagal movie is definitely Executive Decision because that's a movie where yes. he dies like in the first 20 minutes. With Kurt Remember Russell. They, he, yeah. Kurt Russell he gets sucked out of the bottom of the plane he, or whatever. <laughs> he goes, Kurt Russell goes, we're not going to make it. And Steven Seagal goes, you are. And he falls down to his death. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, he's got so many classics. I mean, Above the Law, Out for Justice, Mark for Death, and Under Siege. I mean, th- I think those were actually his first four films as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Uh, those just define what he did and that's just of course late 80s early 90s canon uh, of what made that era so fantastic with action movies um, exactly you know i don't i don't of course he made some more that teetered on the edge of rom-coms uh later like uh, fire <laughs> down below and and patriot and things like that but yeah i just it's a shame he's kind of let himself go i guess is the, is the weird what i would say He's still trying to be Steven Seagal, and it just doesn't work anymore, no. you know, 30 years later, whatever it is. I guess that kind of wraps it up for us this week. Uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this after a couple of weeks. I know we ran a little long. We had a lot to talk about over uh, three weeks off. So um, 
We're hoping to get one to you next week as well. Good to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, great to catch up. We're definitely going to do this next week. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiatus there due to some internet technical issues. Technical difficulties. But the <laughs> now that we've got it figured out, everything's good. Glad you're having a blast over there, dude. Keep uh, keep us informed. Keep us updated on Twitter as much as you can within reason, right? Uh, and let us know what's going on. Uh, as always, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over at Data Center Dude on Twitter. And I'm at Andy Nelson 76 I will be nine hours ahead of you also on Twitter. Good chatting with you. I can't wait to listen to this, and I can't wait to listen to the newest Busted Wide Open this week. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, well, guys, <laughs> if you like this episode or any of the other episodes we've put together, please don't hesitate to leave us a review on the iTunes store. That really helps us out, and we really appreciate all that great feedback. Uh, you can find us over on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash official concession stand, or if you just search Facebook for the concession stand. Shout out to everybody over at the podcast we listen to and podcast community Facebook groups. How you guys yes. doing? And uh, great chatting with you guys this week, and we will see you guys next time. Later! Bye! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.